It is footy and frothies, 11th of August, 2021. Take two of our weekly review podcast. Ollie, Taggy and Barney with you. We got there in the end, boys, but uh, how are we all? Yeah, going good, mate. I've um, become a casual contact <laughs> as of yesterday afternoon, which is interesting. So I've had to go and wait for an hour and a half to get a test and now I have to self-isolate until I get a negative result. So obviously that's why we're starting a little bit earlier today. Yeah, yeah, so trying to knock it over early for the uh, the punters listening at home. Um, so how has the week been for you, Oliver? Yeah, it's been all right. I have not been a, uh, a casual contact of anyone, but still during this whole pandemic, I have not gotten a single COVID test. I've not been sick. I've not had to go for any reason yet. Um, yeah, which I'm very surprised about, but I have a feeling something somehow will occur it's got to within like the next month or so where i get a test which you know i probably i probably should just go and get a test like just to be uh safe more safe than sorry but um yeah going okay um but other than that it's locked down this is the first time i've been able to have an excuse to drink this week so we're gonna have a good time today (laughs) <laughs> All right, Ollie. Well, uh, getting in early, I like it. Yeah, good stuff. <laughs> I'll save mine for uh, for at least after four o'clock once I officially knock off. But um, we'll get into some news for the week. It's been an interesting week. Uh, let's start with the big news. Um, your man Anthony Don has retired, and I thought I'd give you the floor, Oliver, to uh, say a few words. Oh well, the main stats of it all is the Titans' most prolific. Try scorer of all time. I would have hoped he would have stuck around long enough to be the first Titan to get uh, triple digits in terms of tries, but it's just not to be unless he goes on an absolute frenzy uh, in the last four rounds, which I don't think he will. But, um, you know, you sort of look at the Titans' down times, their worst periods circa 2019 I'd say really to see the value in Anthony Don because he was just about our best player then and in a period where I'd say the Titans biggest issue was effort because the players obviously had the raw talent and had displayed it either previously or at other clubs Uh, he was the one who still consistently brought it you know we'd be getting beaten 40 to 6 every week but he'd be the one getting that try and putting in that little bit of effort so I think that's really how you can sum up Anthony Don and I'd say probably at his peak if he was at a decent club then maybe he would have been in a conversation maybe once upon a time for an origin selection etc but um, yeah just a hard worker really. Yeah there was a phase even as as recent as last year where um, we talked about it that at one point their whole attack revolved around kicking or passing to Anthony Don Um so they have progressed a bit from there, but a, an honest club little tradesman and um, wish him all the best going forward. Anything to add, Barn? No, you blokes have hit it on the head pretty solidly there. He was, a, he was a solid winger, good under the high ball and didn't miss his assignment very often. So, yeah, sure he'd be missed around the Titans team. Exactly. Let's get into some uh, injury news. Uh, I suppose the big one, Reed Marnie, out for the season, re-injuring that shoulder. Uh so that's disappointing for a Parramatta team who probably need all the help they can get at the moment. Mm-hmm. Uh, Torlugi, Burn, Tamalolo all missing this week uh, for the Cowboys. Palisaya out for the season for Brisbane, which is disappointing there. Uh, Lachlan Fitzgibbon out for the week. Uh, Cody Ramsey out for um, potentially the season with that nasty dental injury. Did you see the photos? 
Yeah, cracked the two front teeth. Yeah, it was well. <laughs> it was pretty horrible looking. Yeah. I'm surprised he's gotten this far without it happening previously. I, if he's never worn a mouth guard, I was going to say to get yeah this far in life. Uh, Ollie, any plugs you need to get in for mouth guards, or is that sponsorship over? Oh well, if you want, you can head to champmouthguards.com right now if you want and get ten percent off of your mouth guard uh, by using the code. RLIMO10, but unfortunately, uh, with the recent announcement that pretty much all, um, at least rugby league in New South Wales, is cancelled for the season, you might not need a, a mouth guard until next year. But uh, get one in early. And um, Cody Ramsey, if you're listening, uh, head to Champ Mouth Guard to actually sponsor the Dragons. <laughs> they sponsor the Dragons as well. So realistically, they should be able to hook him up relatively. get one for free. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's not. Um... He'll get on for free for sure. There's posters and sponsorship to come out of this, no doubt. Oh, absolutely surprised he's never worn one, to yeah. be honest. I've, back when I used to play, which is a million years ago, it was pre- I'm pretty sure it was mandatory for juniors to wear mouth guards. So <laughs> it's, a, it's a weird one. Yeah, well, is it mandatory now? Do you know? I think it is. It Insurance should be. Wise, I couldn't imagine it not being. Yeah. Anyway, um, and the other injury news, I suppose, is that um, Charles Nickel, Charles Nickel Clockstar, He's actually uh, on the path back. He could be back in the next week or so. So surprise there. Um, and suspension news. So this is interesting. Appy Corusau, defended by Nathan Cleary, uh, Ivan Cleary even, got a week, DWZ a week. Uh, Napa and Hetherington both got their three and two weeks respectively. Um, any thoughts on the supposed targeting of Jason Hetherington, Barney? Oh, he's sort of made his bed. He's, he's, he's obviously he's got a reputation, and um, it's it's going to happen. It happened to Jared Weir Hargroves for a lot of his career. Blokes like Adrian Morley and different um, different front rowers that were that firebrand. Um, the blokes just got to lower. It's same as what we said with Radley when he got the two suspensions in the one game. He's just got to lower his tackle. Yeah, he's got to start hitting a little bit lower. He's just especially with his reputation, he can't be going as high as he does. Yep, not much more to add from me, Ollie. Oh, just you bring up Adrian Morley. I, I agree with everything you guys said about Heverington, but imagine if he was playing today, he would be <laughs> unviable. Well, he he would. Isn't Heatherington, Heatherington's borderline has to just move to Super League soon anyway because his waiting is now getting ridiculous even if he's not getting um, doing much wrong. Yeah. Um, did I mention Angus Crichton? No. No. Well, speaking of waiting, he's got three weeks for that, uh, which I thought was pretty ordinary. And I said it live at the time, but the fact that Kickout didn't get anything for his tackle on Manu dragging back into the in ball, I don't know if you saw the tackle, uh, I thought that was a crusher every day of the week. And if it had been a halfway line, it would have been a penalty. It wasn't even cited in ma- uh, match review, which I thought was very disappointing. The thing between those two tackles as well, which you mentioned, um, Kikau actually put himself in that position, whereas Crichton was sort of there and it was more the ball carrier that put himself in that position. Yeah. Um, a lot of it is um, comes down to the grading as well because it's an automatic 200 points for a grade one crusher. So you're looking at two weeks straight away and then you add the rest of it, it gets up to three and four weeks. So I don't know where they go with it. I don't know whether they bring that down to 150 points or something for the grade one crusher, but they're obviously trying to get rid of it out of the game. But a lot of them are just circumstantial. It's just the way that the tackle plays out. It's not guys getting in there trying to... If you remember back when they tried to get rid of it, the crusher used to be double underhooks under the armpits. Yeah, they pick down. them up and drop all yeah. their weight on the back of their neck, which is obviously that's worth two weeks every every day of the week. Mm-hmm. 
But um, the the ones that guys are getting pinged for now aren't that same crash attack. No, no, that's right. Uh, and I, th- yeah, I don't know whether they need to revisit the gradings or whether they're just on the wrong path. Um, I'm not sure. But I, I thought blatantly kickouts should have been a penalty, which would have got Roosters upfield and actually um, gone a, a long way towards getting them back in that game or yeah. home in that game. Uh, and then Lodge Evans. Both for the Warriors are out for uh, two weeks and one week, and Sipley got a week as well. Capel and Tarek Sims a week. Uh, that sums up a big week of judiciary fun. Yeah, there was a few of them, wasn't there? Mm. Uh, uh, no other news, boys? Pretty quiet week, apart from mm. the um, usual ground relocations and whatnot, but I didn't write them down. <laughs> Have you got a peanut of the week? Let's get in early, Ollie. I do, and you know what? I've come prepared. Right yeah. here, and you know what? There's actually three of them in a row right here. So it's a triple header today, and it is from my post I put out the other day. It was finish this sentence, Tom Travojevic. So I've been doing these for a few players lately. They've been doing pretty good on the page. So I thought, why not do the shoe in for the Dalian medal? Uh, first comment. Um, these are all again about Tom Travojevic. So Tom Travojevic is another football player who will make a mozza playing footy and we won't remember in 10 years. I'm pretty sure if he retired tomorrow, I'd still remember him in 10 years. Do we agree? Yeah, probably. Footy people will remember him for sure. Yeah. And then Tom and, Travojevic. And that said, he hasn't, I don't think he's peaked yet. If he gets <laughs> no. a full season under his belt, he, he might be the an immortal. Who knows? Yeah. Um, Tom Travojevic is overrated. They spelled overrated wrong. Sweet as made it done. He's missing against good teams. Now, I'll admit, right, his worst game of the season was against There's Melbourne on the weekend, in my opinion, and his second worst game was against Penrith earlier in the year. But it shows to go how good a player is that I don't think if you watch those two games, you can say he had a bad game. I think you could even go as far as saying he still had a good game. He was um, still Manly's yeah. best, in my opinion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And um, Daggy, you'll like this one. The last one is Tom Travojevic is Tedesco at the Tigers. I'm pretty sure Tedesco didn't single-handedly drag the Tigers to a near top four finish. No, he was unless he was unless still, I'm forgetting. No, he was. He might have dragged yeah. him to ninth. Um, <laughs> he was still worth twelve points to the Tigers every week. Uh, but no, he's uh, a long way from at that time. A long way from Tommy Turbo. Um, fair enough. Yeah, I think they're. Both peanut worthy. Should we get into our match review? Let's kick off Newcastle 28, beat Brisbane at 20. What did the stats say, Barn? Yeah, so the stats were five tries to four, four out of five conversions for the Knights and two out of four for Brisbane. 81% completion played 77%, 35 out of 43 tackles, uh, 43 sets played 27 out of 35, 125 plus post contact meters for the Knights, six line breaks to five. 36 tackle bus played 23, six offloads to two, two force dropouts by the Knights, no 40-20s, 293 tackles played 375, two ruck infringements to three, one inside the 10 by the Broncos, four penalties conceded to five, seven errors played 11, Randall with 37 tackles, Levi with 53, Daniel Saifidi with 206 metres and Herbie Farnsworth with 214 metres. Uh, Cliff and Twile both missed three tackles for, Sorry, it was Tuali missed three tackles, and Palacia, Glenn, and Ricky all missed five tackles apiece. Tessie New with eighty-four super coach points, Pierce with eighty, and Barnett with seventy-eight. Ollie, look, I, Newcastle were better. I, uh, they're far from world beaters, and um, 
far from even threatening a top six team. What do you take away from them this this game? And um, are there any hope of entertaining those dreams that those Knights fans have of a full strength Newcastle giving the competition a shake? Oh, I definitely don't think they'll give the competition a, sh- a shake, even at full, sh- full strength, and that's just due to the talent in front of them. But the way they're looking as well, they're still definitely... I know they're currently ninth, but they're not morals for the finals. I still personally would not have them in my top eight uh, based off of that performance, at least, because we did get a, good, a really good middle of the game from Newcastle, and I did bring up on last week's show that... They're not, they're not morals this week, but yeah. No. Nah. No, nah. well, I thought that Brisbane would probably. Um, I, I did tip Brisbane, and I thought the reason would be their forwards would be able to overpower Newcastle's forwards. I wasn't convinced that we would get the same output from Newcastle's forwards as the Canberra game, but as the stats of the Safidi brothers go to show, um, and the rest of the four pack on the back of that, they did. And for me, that's what got them over the line in the end. Brisbane looked decent as well, I think. Um, but yeah, Newcastle probably. I, I'd say we're close to their best probably for that middle period of the game and that's what got them home. But other than that, I'm not too fast on Newcastle. Barney, what do you take away? I thought it was a pretty entertaining game of football, only because of how competitive it was. Um, lacked in a bit of execution. Clifford and Pierce were probably the deciding factor in this game. I think the, the halves for Newcastle were, were the difference. Um, both scoring, they both took on the defence when both scored a try at um, crucial times in the game. But, um, yeah, the, oh, I've lost my spot. I thought um, Ponga was a hindrance at times, actually. He got into that phase where he, um, he starts to run first instead of trying to set up his outside men. Yeah. And then he's uh, sort of only passes as a... Um, when he's when his run gets shut down and that really uh, really stops the attack outside him. Whereas you look at the better fullbacks, they generally look to set up their outside men first, and their their run is either an opportunity opportunity where there's a hole, or they just do it because there's nothing going on outside them. And um, I think Ponga gets into that into that phase at times where he confuses his outside men by just running the ball too far instead of just giving them early ball and letting them do some work and then backing them up. But yeah, um, I thought Frizzell and Barnett were probably the best in the forwards for um, for the Newcastle team. Yeah. They're getting a lot more out of Clemmer coming off the bench. Like he's getting, he's pushing two hundred meters with only you know forty minutes of footy. And so if the the one two punch between the Saifidi brothers and him is um, is working pretty well for him. I thought Hass and Ricky were probably the best for the Broncos and Levi. Levi was actually quite good. I think it was only his second game oh, back. What about Herbie? He's been playing a bit of Ridges. Herbie was yeah, fantastic. Playing Ridges. Yeah, Herbie was fantastic with his ball. And I'm just talking more about the workers oh, in the yeah. middle of the field, to be honest. Um, Ricky was lazy a couple of times. And one of them led to a, to that um, Pierce try, actually, where he didn't move off the line and Pierce got past him. But um, Herb, his, Herbie, he had his best ever game, I thought, that he's ever played. Um, he was tremendous with the ball in his hand. And um, Gamble was strong again. Um, he's he seemed to calm down that little bit, and um, he's getting them around the park pretty well. But yeah, as I said, I thought the the big difference in this was the two Newcastle halves were much better than the than the Broncos halves put together. Brodie Croft didn't have a run all game. I think all he did was make about ten tackles and kick the ball once or something like that. So that's not really a partnership. Gamble went out of his way to do his best, but yeah. And now he's off to Super League next year. We forgot to bring that up. That's confirmed now. Yes. Yeah, Albert Kelly's back this week too. So we've said probably. And he looked good line. in that fifteen minutes or so that he was yeah. out there, Kelly. Yeah. Um, Tyson Gamble's 
pretty much a first grade five eight. You'd have to say he's he Looking tries every way, week. Yeah. He um, obviously you take the little bit of niggle out, but he um, tries every week. He, he's the key to most of their points when they do score. Uh, Tessie News growing into fullback. All this stuff there that you'd think they can be confident about next year, or at least hopeful about. Mm-hmm. Um, I think you've summed up Newcastle pretty. Well. I thought Frizzell was their best player. Um, you mentioned last week just the way he pinballs around, but he was at his absolute best doing that. Uh, this week, yeah, there was two or three times he got him quick play the balls just off his the, the way he runs the ball off the back fence. Is, <laughs> it was tremendous, especially that big break down the middle. Yeah, um, and Mitchell Pierce playing as um, I guess almost second fiddle was pretty good. Um, he was, and he got involved when he needed to. He ran a bit more as a result, and um, <clears throat> a fair enough role. Jake Clifford still he's a special to kick one out in the full every game, but uh, <laughs> he was. He was serviceable. Uh, he's got a little way to go, but um, overall, you know, a good a good effort from all of them. I'm saying, uh, yeah, they're not. Um, you know, they, they probably will finish eighth just on the strength of their draw. Now, mm-hmm. um, they're not guaranteed to because I think we still need to see them string it together the same way. Just same way we need to see uh, most clubs string it together. Um, but uh, I'm saying for Zell three. Barnett two and one for Pierce, but any combination of um, any of the ones and Herbie for, was the other one I, I thought probably deserved a point if you're looking that way. But I had you line them up. Saifidi actually I had for two. Frizzell Saifidi. I had Frizzell. Um, I had Pierce with two, and I had either Hass or Clifford for the one point. But. Okay, Ollie. Yeah, so I, I think I'm going to agree with uh, Frizzell and Saifidi definitely being the top two there. For one, it's a bit hard. I think I'll lean probably towards Pierce because as you bring it up, Barney, I, I spoke a lot of the forwards, but to be honest, a lot of that was off the back of those halves and how well they played. And I think Pierce's impact for as much crap as we want to give him, it, it was actually a good impact and I guess a good way to use him coming back in this game. I wonder with Pierce though, if they'll keep playing that way with him playing a bit sec- bit of second fiddle to Clifford to possibly keep him healthy to try and get a full season out of him next year in what I take it will probably be his last year in the NRL or seeming as they're on this finals push, trying to get him to lead that charge. It'll be interesting to see. I think at most he might pick up a bit more of the kicking game, but I don't think you'll, I think you'll see it play out pretty much how it played out Mm. on the weekend. He seems pretty content with it though. So uh, (laughs) probably, um, Good for him just to fly under the radar for a little bit and keep his nose clean and um, get back to being a proper first grader for a while. Uh, let's move on to the second game, which is, in fact, just give me one second. I should check something. We head to the second game, oh, the first game on the Friday night, I should say. Dragons 20, uh, Raiders 20, Dragons 12. Uh, I didn't say a lot of the first half here uh, with child commitments, but uh, Barney, what did the stats say and uh, what do you make of the game? Yeah, it was three tries to two, three out of three conversions, played one out of two. Uh, and there was a penalty, one out of one penalties for both teams. 80% completion played 83%. 33 out of 41 sets played 35 out of 42. One line break for Canberra, four for the Dragons. 25 tackle bust played 34. Four offloads to four. One force dropout by Canberra and one forty twenty to Canberra. 337 tackles played 342. Three ruck infringements from both teams. Two inside the 10 from both teams. Seven penalties conceded to six. 12 errors to nine. Hodgson made 46 tackles. Jack DeBellin made 49. Rapana with 167 metres. And Ravalawa with 214. Croker and Whiten both missed five tackles. Uh, Maguire missed four and Ravalawa missed three and made four. 
Uh, Jack DeBellin with 75 Supercoach points, Tarek Sims with 72, and Tapine, Tapani, sorry, with 69 points. Again, I thought Dragons possibly the better side uh, when in the tough stuff, but they just can't execute uh, well enough to score a try. Apart from that first pass, from the first cutout pass from Corey Norman to set up the, uh, the young fee guy in the corner, they realistically didn't have a lot of um, spark in their attack. They they were doing it well in the middle, but um, as soon as they needed to put on points, they just, they just couldn't find a way to put on any points. And it was pretty similar with the with the Raiders, to be honest. Um, Starling was realistically the only bloke in the spine that created any sort of go forward or momentum in attack for the Raiders. Um, they go sideways too much. The the centers are uh, the centers are a mess at the moment, to be honest. I I really think they should go and just cut bite the bullet, put Whiten out there, and bring in another half. To be honest, well, um, especially least... when Frawley was their best player for the two weeks, he was back. Mm. Um, it it's just and this week they've gone. Uh, this week they've brushed uh, um, Chris again and brought back uh, Simonson. So they're a bit. Okay. I don't know. Obviously, I guess Ricky's trying to doesn't want to sack Jack, but no. surely um, it's time to bite that bullet and try and play your best team. Yeah, I'm, I'm pretty sure they should. Um... There's not there's not enough creative coming out of there. They just lay off um, Whiten because they generally know he's going to run and they just hold the line in front of him and grab him. And when he passes, he passes that late that it really doesn't matter. Yeah. It's You know what I mean? Same thing as I was talking about earlier. You're giving your, um, giving your outside backs no time with the ball and um, you can't really do much when you get past the ball and there's a bloke standing right in front of you. So, um, yeah, I thought Dragons, as I said, were solid enough, just couldn't get the job done. Tapani and Papali were the best of the rest from the Raiders team, as I mentioned, I thought um, Starling was their best. Jack DeBellin, he's um, improving out of sight the last couple of weeks. He's been extremely yeah. good. He's doing all the hard stuff. He's got a nice short pass in him as well. And Sims, again, they, they can get through the grind, but there's there's nothing in that. Like, Clune was okay, but there's just there's no execution when they need the points. Bird worked his ass off, but really had not a lot of impact. So. Ollie? Yeah, well, you bring up, I guess, the workers of the Dragons and, yeah, the, just executing. That's really the reason why, personally for me, I think they didn't actually win the game. I, I thought they were probably the better team for most of it. You bring up the centres and you brought up how Nickel Klukstad's coming back soon. I would personally go with White and the Nickel Klukstad as your centres combination and keep Rappener at fullback or you could even bring an Aikens back. Um but yeah, honestly, it'd shore them up defensively, and at the very least, they'd be solid. I don't think they'd be poor uh, as a center combination. But speaking of Jack White, and it was probably near his best performance of the year. He actually looked like a bit of a shadow of himself, which was nice to see. Um, but yeah, other than that, it, it, I don't think this was the best game of footy. And it put it this way. When we were off camera just then, Barney and I were going through the draw for the rest of the year and having a look. And, you know, teams like the Titans and Newcastle at the moment, even though Newcastle doesn't look great, probably looks just about on par maybe with a Canberra. Um, and their run home might help them out a lot because, yeah, the Raiders, they, they've been up and down. They've looked good over the past month overall. Um but, you know, Canberra are probably a team that we do need to look at their run home because if it's not the best run home, then they're probably in danger of missing out on this top eight. Well, then 
they that line speed they had for two weeks is gone. It's like yeah. they just got to that Parramatta game and just left it all there. Um, they've been terrible ever since, and uh, I would say that ten teams in the comp would have beaten both mm. these teams on, on from what I saw on Friday night. Um, so they got Storm, Manly, Warriors, and the Roosters. So. Yeah, so they're not oh. going to win another game. So I guess we don't need to worry too much more about them. Um, in which case, let's get to some points. Who, who have you done here? <laughs> I had um, where am I? I had three points for where the hell am I? Tapani. Um, I thought he was the best player on the field. Um, Starling with the two, and then I had there was three different guys I was tossing up for the one point: either Debellin, Bird, or Papali. Dolly, I'd personally go with uh, Debellin in there. I, I I just made a note: Debellin was good from what I saw. So, <laughs> um, so what was yours again, Barn? Tapani, Starling, and Jack Debellin. Oh, yeah, yeah, cool. I'm happy with that. Let's move on. Uh, let's get to the main event on the Friday, which was the Parramatta Eels being trounced by 28 points by the South Sydney Rabbitohs. We all saw it coming. It happened. Uh, what, what do we take? Do some stats, Barney, and what does it all mean going forward? Yeah, two tries to six. Two out of two conversions played six out of six. Two out of three penalty goals for Souths. 89% completion played 88. 33 out of 37 sets played 36 out of 41. Again, 125-plus post-contact metres from the South team. Uh, two line breaks to nine. 16 tackle busts to 29. 13 offloads to 11. Two forced dropouts by Parramatta, one by South. Uh, no 40-20s. 381 tackles played, 327. One ruck infringement to four. One inside the 10 for both teams. Seven penalties conceded by Parramatta, two by Souths. Six errors to five. Papali. Papali'i with 49 tackles. It's weird when there's two Papali'i's game after game. <laughs> Cook with 45. Uh, Blake Laurie, uh, sorry, Wacker Blake with 200 metres and Mansell with 254. Gutho made a tackle, missed three. Dunster missed three and about four <laughs> four others, I think. Mild and Arrow both missed three for Souths. Uh, Mansell with 171 Supercoach points. Murray with 92. Two other Souths players before you get down to Wacker Blake with 81. Um Wow, man. Parramatta, I don't think, would have scored a point in this game if Mitchell Moses hadn't come back. Um, He was the catalyst for anything good in their attack, which was uh, all added up probably was about five minutes of good attack, to be honest. Um, They're missing RCG, I think. I know you wouldn't have said that probably two years ago that anyone would be missing RCG, but it's just that no-nonsense, take the ball straight through the middle, whereas the rest of the rest of this forward pack want to stand in tackles and try to offload or, you know, fuck around and try to play early ball and pass before the line. Sometimes you just got to put your head down and run straight through the middle of the pack. Um, and in this game, again, as I said, they didn't do it. By mucking around in the play of the ball, looking for offload, you either end up with a slow play of the ball or half the time you end up with a messy ball popped out the back, which is generally goes to no advantage. Sometimes you can pick it up and run away and make more metres, but half the time you get stuck back behind where you pass the offload. Nathan Brown's special for that because he has that massive run-up. He ends up Once he gets tackled, he just flings it out the back and they end up back where he starts a lot of the time. Yeah, so I think they've got to start just first and second tackle, just putting their head down and going into the line and then um, looking for the offloads off the back of that. But because it's slowing down their play, the ball... Um, the, the young hooker, that's a massive uh, Mahoney. That's massive out for Parramatta now. Um, and the worst part is that the bloke makes 50 tackles a week. So two shoulder injuries in the space of 12 months can't be good for his career, to be honest. Um, yeah. 
he's an impressive player, but yeah, it's not going to be great, I don't think. Um, Souths were impressive, but they were still a little bit below their best, I thought. Um, their whole pack ran for 100 metres. Uh, not much more than that, but they all shared the work around and did the job that they needed to do. Um, Parramatta were pretty similar, but uh, their Parramatta's bench really had no impact whatsoever. At, Whereas South were, you know, there was a couple of good efforts from their bench players that come out. So I thought Moses, Papali'i, uh, Maddo and Wonga Blake were the best for Parramatta. Reynolds had a really good game. Um, I thought he took control of the game very well off the back of some quick play the balls provided by Murray and Cook doing a little bit of work out of dummy half. And um, obviously Mansell just finished extremely well out on that edge. Um Best job in the world for a winger for the next probably two years, or sorry, the last two years has been South's left edge yeah. winger, isn't it? But there was blood in that water, uh, and that was the difference almost in the game. There was blood in that water on that left edge about 10 minutes in. Hayes came in and they just missed, and then Hayes came in again and they just missed, and then you could see it coming um, a week away. And once it happened, uh, the, the they either didn't learn, but they... What Cody Walker does is he gets to the point where he, he makes his second guess having to come in because if you don't, he's still got Gay Guy there and he's still got Latrell. Mm. So yeah. they, they either, I guess they either, you know, train or coach for Latrell coming in or they just have to cop it sometimes. But um, they, that was the difference. I thought Latrell was um, in a mood for a lot of it. He didn't, the stats, I know he had a bit hand in a lot of them, but the stats don't actually reflect, but I thought every time he touched the ball, it looked like something was going to happen. Uh, and yes. he floated to that right side a lot. Uh, and obviously Cameron Murray now back in that team makes them, is a difference between them being a, a half-decent team to being a a premiership team, I'd say. Now, I think mm. I'm, I'm nearly on board with them being the third chance in the comp. Uh, mm. Ollie, what do you take out of it? Oh, well, one play in particular I thought really summed up the game. And it was astonishing that this was a game between two top four sides because Parramatta looked gassed about halfway through into the second half. And I believe it was Jackson Paulo's try. Just the offloads that South Sydney were able to get away to get to that try does not happen when there's two top four sides versing each other. It was just astonishing. And I think the couple of tries after that weren't too dissimilar where, I mean, kudos to South Sydney for having that great support play, being able to get that off laid away a few times and it leading to a try. But that was just abysmal defense from uh, Parramatta. I think that really summed up the game for me. I mean, there's not, not too much more I can say really. So we need to talk about Parramatta quickly. I don't want to spend ages on it. It seems to be the theme of the media, but um there's the issue with BA got, has one year left. Um, is, are Parramatta a, a premiership team that he's not good enough? Or the alternative view, are they just an average team that he's got the best out of, Barney? Yeah, I'd, I'd go with the alternative view, to be honest. I think that um, he's dragged a team that should be probably around the fringe of the eight up into the top four consistently for the last couple of years. Yeah, um, He did have a few favours when he first came in, considering how low a base he started, obviously. He, he's taken them from absolutely nothing to get them up into the top eight, and then he's been pushing for the top four for the last few years. So I can't – obviously, there's a. it's going to come to the crunch now where one of them has to go. Either he's going to have to go and clean out a few players or – um, he's going to have to. He's going to be pushed aside um, because it's just come to that point. He's been there that long that they even need to continue to grow, or um, something has to change. So um, they've sort of plateaued the last couple of years, and the way that they fade away at the back end of the year is pretty concerning. Yeah, and that's thing. He's got them from wooden spoon in yeah, what twenty eighteen was it to a, yeah. a top four team the last two years. Um, they're probably going to finish fifth this year actually, but. Um, 
effectively a, a top team for a lot of the year. I think they've overperformed. When you really sit back and look at um, who they've got, they've found, I guess, Papa Ian Madison uh, and Reed Marnie in that time. Gutho's a star, but he's not a superstar. He's not a Tommy or yeah. a Teddy or um, a Latrell. So he's, he's just that level down, busts his ass, tries hard. Um, and Dylan Brown I, hasn't flourished like a lot of us thought he would um, this time last year. So I think, in a way, they've overperformed. Uh, Parramatta fans don't see it that way, whatever that means, um, they're, whether they're quite harsh, which a lot of the ones we know are. But maybe they're just overperforming with a a, a Newcastle-level roster. Uh, Ollie, what do you think? Uh, I, I actually disagree. I do think that that squad as a whole at least did have the potential to win a premiership. They do have the talent as a whole. Sure, there's not necessarily your super superstars in there, uh, but as you said, a few hard workers and players were probably just that level below. And yeah, I'd say they still, not right now, but last year definitely had the potential to win the comp. And probably if they continued playing the way they did for the first half of the season, who knows? But, yeah, I, I just feel as well there comes a time in every club-coach relationship where it's just gone on that bit too long mm. and we start seeing consistency in terms of failure. And it's weird to say because Parra are going to just finish outside the top four this year. They finished there last year and the year before that, I think they finished fifth. But it's just that glass ceiling. I think Parramatta have banged on their glass ceiling with a Brad Arthur let's just say hypothetically they bring in Wayne Bennett next year. I think it's going to be hard because they're right at the end of that premiership window, but you could potentially see a Wayne Bennett taking that side and possibly at at least getting them to do better, at least make a preliminary final um, instead of going out in straight sets or win a finals game. Um, But yeah, look, it it happened with Nathan Brown, I think as well at Newcastle, he took them from back-to-back wooden spooners to not the top eight, but to around 11th, that sort of mid area. And I think the reason why clubs like to hang on to coaches for a long time too, is because what they have done in the past with the club, Nathan Brown, he took Newcastle from last on the ladder to about 11th, which was an amazing feat for Newcastle because they were well and truly in the shit. And he took them to that level. So they sort of held on and gave him a bit of a chance you look at Paul Green at the Cowboys, probably should have gone a couple of years ago, premiership winning coach, they held on. He took them to their first premiership, so they held on that little bit too long. And I feel like we're getting that with Brad Arthur now where he's taken them from original back-to-back wooden spooners in 2012-13 to fourth in 2017. They finished with wooden spooners in 2018, but then straight back up and sort of rebuilt them again to where they are now. So it's sort of not wanting to get rid of that coach that's done so much for your club. But what clubs need to realise is certain coaches can take them to this level, but then they need to know when to change to a coach that can take them to this level. And that's not to say that Brad Arthur can't coach a a team to a premiership one day. He probably needs to leave as much as they need him to leave and possibly go to a different club um, and work with a different roster and who knows, maybe one day he can lead another team to a premiership. But right now, this just isn't working. If something weird happened tomorrow and you woke up and the front page of or the back page of the paper, let's say, was um, Arthur to Titans effective immediately, would you be happy, sad, indifferent to the change? 
Oh, look, it, it depends in what context, because if we're taking into consideration, I guess, Justin Holbrook being at the club and the current position the club's in now, I would be a bit disappointed because I feel like Holbrook's still got some work to do and he can get the Titans to possibly a consistent fifth to eighth team. But on the surface level, I, I'd be neutral but quietly optimistic. I don't think he would turn the club into an absolute shit show, put it that way. And I, I think at least we would still be a sort of bottom of the eight to maybe mid-table team, and I don't think anything atrocious would happen. And Barney, same question for you, if it was Brad Arthur coming in instead of Fitzgibbon next year? Obviously, we haven't seen Fitzgibbon, so it's well, a bit of a sort yeah, of up in so, there. But, uh, um, from, from where they are right now, let's say. Yeah, yeah. No, um, I've got a lot of time for Brad Arthur, to be honest. I think he's um, I think he's very defensively sound coach, and he gets the best out of his attack a, a fair bit, to be honest, considering how um, how his halves let him down quite a bit, um, especially in the bigger games. So I w- I'd actually probably be positive on the moves, to be honest. Um, I I can't see any holes in Brad Arthur as a coach. So yeah, I, I think he'd be more than, um, I'd be more than happy to have him coaching the show. It's a funny thing. Um, someone mentioned, I think just in jest in, in a, one of our group chats that, Hey, what about a swap for Madge? And it actually wouldn't be the worst. That was me, for, yeah. Yeah. But the more you think about it, both sides might actually benefit with their current rosters for that change. But, um, yeah. Moses might get a few more cuddles. Moses. Yeah. <laughs> so I guess might get a bit more. Whatever. <laughs> I don't know. But um, yeah. I, I think he's potentially harshly treated um, is Brad Arthur for, for some of the cattle. I don't think they're on the level at all with the um, the top three teams. And you could argue they are manly level, but they don't have a Tommy, which I think that's probably a fair enough comparison. Yeah. Um, anyway, uh, as for South, very quickly, you probably spent too much on his game. Yeah. They, they're genuine contenders. Is that what we're all saying? I think so, yeah. And they've got a couple of superstars there that can break open a game off their own bat um, yeah. as long as the pack does enough to keep them in the game. So, cool. Well, surprisingly enough, I was actually really impressed from what I saw in Manly on Saturday night. I'm yeah. not saying – I'm not changing my tip from a, a Penrith Melbourne grand final, but I've still personally got Manly over Souths. Can't begrudge you that. Uh, three points, Latrell. I thought he was pretty impressive. Two to Cody and one to take your pick. I know Mansell scored a couple – um, mm-hmm. Colin Matangi is very good again. Um, anyone else you want to throw up there? I had um, Murray for three. I had Latrell for two. And then I had either um, Reynolds or Mansell for the one. Ollie? Uh, I think it's hard to begrudge Mansell at least a point for the... He turned back the clock a bit, I think, in that game and put in a huge effort. Um, so I, I'd like to see him get the one. I think... Um, Cam Murray was fantastic, Let's too, go. so I have no issue with that. Well, why don't we go Murray the three, we'll go Latrell two, Mansell one, if all we're right. all happy with that. That's fine. I absolutely love the way Murray doesn't worry about the wrestle half the time. He just chops the bloke's legs out and just smashes them straight to the ground. <laughs> you don't see it that often anymore, and I, I really like watching him play. Yeah, no, he's the more – I think that he's one of those players, the closer you watch footy, the more you appreciate him. Because yeah. um, just – I've falling in love with him a bit and a bit like Angus Crichton I've just seemed to fall in love with those two blokes and what fine looking blokes they are too this year um let's get to and very quickly it did warm my uh, cold cold heart watching Benji's scrum play uh, yes it was, was nice uh, very good to watch uh the Warriors 18 this did not warm anyone's cold cold heart uh, in a <laughs> Sharks jersey 
beat some uh, Sharks 16 in a, a scrappy affair, which we forecast um, an uninspiring game that we'll try and catch up time on and get through quickly, Varney. Do you need know yeah, stats there? Tell us what you think. Three tries apiece, two out of three conversions for both sides and one out of one penalty for the Warriors and one penalty not attempted by the Sharks oh. <laughs> and a missed two-point field goal. 82% completion played 80. 32 out of 39 sets played 33 out of 41. Five line breaks to four. 38 tackle busts for both teams. 18 offloads to five. Three force dropouts to two. 327 tackles played 334. Three ruck infringements from both teams. Nine penalties conceded by the Warriors. Four conceded by the Sharks. Ten errors to eight. Curran with 42 tackles, Braley with 39, Fanua Blake with 222 metres and Kennedy with 229. Hiku made 15, missed seven tackles. Uh, Chambers missed six and Braley missed six. Curran with 111 supercoach points. Uh, Will Kennedy with 104 and Walsh with 101. Uh, fucking typical Cronulla, man. They, they go through the motions for the first 15 minutes. They get behind, um, played quite poorly in that first 15 minutes, and then they decided to start putting shots on. They started to get off their line, put their shoulders into defence, and then they started to win the field position. Uh-huh. They started to play out the back to their backs, which was clearly their strength, with Kennedy busting open a few holes, Nakora uh, scoring on the edges, and they were well and truly in front at halftime, and they probably should have been even further in front at halftime, to be honest. Um, then they come out in the second half and they do sweet fuck all for the entire second half. Um, they don't go to their outside backs. They try to play the Warriors through the middle. Every time Fanua Blake or Matt Lodge had the ball, they just absolutely steamed through Cronulla's middle. Um, they were missing tackles left, right and centre. They missed another 21, missed again by their starting forward pack through the middle there. Um, Braley's, uh, sorry, Trindle's getting the ball 30 metres on his own 30, 40 metre line and putting up bombs that go fucking 20 metres down the field and giving the Warriors back the ball on their own 40 metre line. Like, fucking jam the thing down in the corners and go and chase it and make them work off their line. Putting up midfield bombs on the fucking 40 metre line is not going to do nothing for nobody. Apparently it was um, Hannay's idea not to kick for fucking goal as well, seven minutes out, (laughs) to lock up the scores. Yeah, I heard that, yeah. He had a lot to do with this, the loss of this game, to be honest, mate, especially with the bench as well. Metcalf gets six minutes. Fafita gets 15 minutes. It's one of my bugbears, as you guys know, when you've got fucking four blokes on the bench and you use two of them or two and a half of them. What's the point of having four of them on there? Like, yeah. <laughs> It's just ridiculous. Um, but you have to give it to the Warriors. They fought so hard. Their, their forward pack was so much better than Sharks forward pack. Um, in the first half, Talakai and Nakora were good, but they weren't to be seen in the second half. Um, I got Every time Fanua Blake got past the ball, I had sh- fucking shivers running down my back going, oh, shit, he's just going to run over three of them and someone's going to score here because that's what happened most of the game. Curran was an absolute beast. The best game that Blake's played, yeah. I think, yeah, in his career. But he puts out that kind of effort pretty much every week and um, he'd be someone I'd be going and grabbing if he was on the open market for sure. He just put, he tackles his ass off. He Every time he runs the ball, he runs hard. He's got good footwork and an offload in him as well. So, yeah, uh, he was the difference in this game, I thought. And the fact that the Sharks didn't go to their outside backs, they just kept trying to take the, one of the biggest packs on through the middle with blokes like Woods and fucking Tolman. So, anyway... <laughs> Ollie, anything positive? Uh, 
Uh, what I will say was positive was probably the last 20 minutes of the first half of Cronulla. And it was also a positive actually getting to sit down for, I think the first half, it was just Barney and I watching. And I don't think I've ever sat down and properly watched a Cronulla game live with Barney before, which was interesting. And it was interesting to see Barney breaking things down as it went. But yeah, it sort of seemed like Cronulla were jumping on the back of Nakora and Talakai for that last 20 minutes, but they were also starting to get the ball out to their edges. What, you know, the big problem that you brought up. And points were coming then, and we thought, okay, for the rest of the game, they keep doing that. They'll be sweet. And, you know, people with a brain would probably think, okay, let's keep doing that. Um, but for whatever reason, they didn't in the second half. And I think, yeah, you bring up your Adam Fanor Blakes and your Josh Curran, that intensity was there from start to finish. We saw sort of Nakora and Talakai, who were Cronulla's two best players for me, having to sort of get into that rhythm. And then for the last 20 minutes of the first half, they all jumped on the back of it, as I said, and they were going. But then it just completely dropped off at halftime. I don't know what happened. I don't know why those blokes didn't continue to bring the intensity. And I actually said while we were watching Barney, Cronulla's forward pack never has a good game as a whole. It's usually either Talakai and Nakora putting in a huge performance or Woods and Tolman. For whatever reason, there's no other combinations. It seems either Nakora and Talakai have got to have a really good game one week or Woods and Tolman, or none of them, obviously. I, I, which I would suggest get. it's probably the way they train for that week. They probably set out yeah. and train to play through their front row one week and then go, oh, this week we're going to play through Brighton. And there's no uh, yeah, they, flexibility. Well, the yeah. Well, that's the big issue, yeah. And one of their big issues is they don't move off their line. For big parts of the game, they yeah. stand and wait for the other team and they make it 10, 10 metres every time they touch the ball. You'd lose field position and get behind on the scoreboard. So yeah, Warriors will um they'll back up off this and be competitive again. They uh it's still concerned to me how quickly a lot of their attacks still already goes through Reese Walsh, yeah. uh, and clearly Nickarim has been sidelined because he's off again this week. But um or on the bench again this week. Uh, Curran's a, a potential star in waiting. He could get to one of those um, New South Wales level back row positions if he keeps growing. Uh, and if they keep their props on the field, they're going to be very hard to beat next year. Uh, you've summed up Sharks perfect, but I don't think I really want to talk about them beyond that because <laughs> uh, I can't add much more there. Uh, I think disappointing is a fair enough word. Yeah, um, I thought O'Sullivan was the best half on the field. Um, mm-hmm. He, again, was pretty impressive. Uh, as I said, Curran was the best player on the field. Aiken signed himself up to be a back rower for the rest of his career 100%, now. That was the other guy. So, yeah. <laughs> he's going he's gonna to get stuck in there and have to make 40 tackles every week and <laughs> don't do the hard but he stuff. Runs, but you know, he's got that. He does hit holes well, and that can only does. bode well the more time he spends there. Uh, and he's, yes. if he's going to come away with a try every week, well, good on him. Yeah, Curran with three, Aiken with two, and then um, either Fanua Blake or Kennedy with the one. Just Kennedy was the Sharks' best. I thought he broke open the play a couple of times and then didn't get the ball in the second half. I think uh, I think Fanua Blake needs to yeah. get at least one point. I had him, 100%. I had him with three, but I had a toss up with him and Curran, so I'm happy to go three to them. Uh, okay. And I think Aiken, yeah, I know you're saying about give Kennedy. Aiken the one. Yeah, give Aiken the one. Give Aiken the one, and we'll move on. Yeah. Let's get to uh, the. Uh, 5.30 game where we potentially learn a lot. Maybe we didn't learn anything. 20-14 to 14 <laughs> Panthers um, defeated the Roosters. Uh, I think we learned the Roosters are close enough. If good enough, missing Crichton's going to hurt them for the next few weeks. And they're probably not going to win the comp this year, but I would be very, very scared of them this time next year. Barney, what do the stats say? 
Yes, it was three tries apiece, one out of three conversions for the Roosters, two out of three for Penrith, two out, and two out of two penalty goals for Penrith. 75% completion played 87% for Penrith, 30 out of 40 sets played 34 out of 39. Six line breaks for both teams, 39 tackle busts played 36. 13 offloads for the Roosters, nine for Penrith. Four forced dropouts for the Roosters, two for Penrith. 328 tackles played, 343. Two ruck infringements for both teams and two in, uh, one inside the 10 for both teams. Eight penalties conceded to six, 12 errors to eight. And a sin bin for the Roosters. Four, uh, 47 tackles for Butcher. Appy with 47. Amanu with 206 metres and Edwards with 212. Walker missed six tackles. Butcher missed six, but made 47. So <laughs> can't count that against him. Manu made nine and missed three. Capewell missed eight tackles again. Um, he's been pretty leaky in the last few weeks in defence. I, I think um, he's at the stage, he just, he, he's not a first-grade centre. It doesn't help him being in the centres. Yeah, exactly. No, of course not. Exactly. Yeah. Um, Luai and Leota missed five tackles apiece. Burton with 134 supercoach points. Manu with 97 and Radley with 95. Uh, I think I think Penrith. Oh, it's a pretty simple way to sum this up. First of all, I think Penrith had a big rub of the green. I'm not going to bag reps refs necessarily, mm. but I felt there was times where uh, momentum got taken from them. I said there was a crusher later in the game. On, I thought it was a clear crusher and in goal um, on Manu from Kikau that should have been a penalty and ended up being a, a dropout for Penrith. So that crueled that attack. Um, they still. I'm just impressed at how well the Roosters still managed to fight. Um, Crichton was good again. Obviously, Teddy's good. Joseph Manu, I'm now coming around to being in the top 10. Oliver, you'd be happy to know. <laughs> I think he's a top 10 player in the game. Uh, and I think the reason, the only reason Penrith won is because Matt Burton uh, had a maybe the game of his career. Uh, it was well, the only time they looked just about... Oh, I, I don't say it because uh, Dylan was pretty good too, but he, the only time they looked like scoring was when Burton ran the ball. Um and he's got a bit of talent in him too. He was um, the best player in the field in a difference between the two teams. Radley had his best game all year, I thought. Yep. Um, and I think if these two meet again in a finals, I'd like to see the names on paper. I would. Uh, I think Penrith have the wood given clear he's coming back, but I don't think there's daylight between them anymore. Ollie. Yeah, well, for the past couple of weeks, I've really honed in on Penrith's go forward and those four factors that I brought up last week. And Matt Burton was not one of those factors, but he somehow (laughs) inherited the spirit of all four and he was just immense in this game. And really, for me, he's the reason why Penrith won. He had that much of an impact, which really impressed me and I liked it. But it also really worries me because if he plays like that at the Bulldogs next year, I could potentially end up with a mid-2000s Bulldogs logo tattooed on my ass, and I don't want that. So, Burton, please get back to the Is that the just a life form. choice, or you got a bet? I, I've got a bet with a mate <laughs> who's, who's a, a biased Dogs fan. Shout out to him. What's the but, bet? Um, make the eight or make... Finish ninth or higher, okay. which I don't think they will. Ninth would be uh, up for grabs. But, um, yeah, if, well, I mean, if Burton plays like that every week of the Bulldogs next year, I'm probably going to be slapping Burton every week to try and get him to if Burton, calm down the thing and about play that, like shit. Yeah, to put that, yeah. that said, in this comp, if Burton plays like this, like he can beat a lot of those Newcastle levels, Tigers. Like right. they'll beat a lot of the games there. But that said, right now they've still got 24 points a week to make up on everyone. So, um there is a long way. To, like, it's not just a throw Matt Burton and Adokar in and they're going to finish fourth. They're a long way off. 
Um, anything else to add on? Well, I hope so. Based off of what you just said, I hope there's still a long <laughs> way off. <laughs> um, but no, not really. It was it was the Matt Burton show, really, for me. I, you you got to give credit where it's due, like to your Edwards. And I guess the Fords were probably not as good as they are when a James Fisher-Harris is playing, mm. but they were still good, I thought. And yo, first week back, and yeah, yeah they'll get better. Yo had some very nice touches. Um, so did Kickout, actually. He started the game quite well. His effort was much improved on what it can be at times where he just sits on the side, uh, out in the edges there and has a bit of a sleep. But he was um, he was up for this game. I might have something to do with Pangai Jr. sitting in the wings, but <laughs> who knows? Might have um, improved his effort a little bit. But I thought Panthers were much improved over their last couple of efforts. Um that they played a lot better as a whole than what they have recently. And it was a really tough game for um, for the majority of it. Uh, both teams cost themselves points. Uh, they were in scoring positions and made pretty poor errors at different times. Um, but they, they also let in some pretty soft tries. Like that Burton second try, I know it was really good footwork and the bloke runs hard, but there was five soft. blokes yeah. that overchased that far. They were probably three or four metres out on his outside. So all he had to do was straighten and run at the line. Yeah. And he ran past five of them. So I think only one of them got a hand on him. So they, you know what I mean? They just chased way too hard out off that um play the ball but and um the Radley try as well that was just uh, he went through untouched with you know there was I think there was three Panthers under the post there and he just ran straight past them all so um but there was a it was yeah really good game I thought the Roosters probably were the better pack overall um with your Radleys Crichton their back row was immense as you already mentioned um Radley yeah best game of the year by him by far but um yeah it's a Matt Burton show he he's He's a smart footballer, man. He, he just seems to read the way the game's going. He's big, he's fast. Um, and as we mentioned, he's going to add a fair bit to that dogs team. So I had Burton with three points, Radley with two, and then either Kikau or Yo for the one. Yeah, I had Dylan Edwards in there as well um, for one. So uh, happy. What do you think of? Um, I think probably go with Yo. He wasn't back to his best, but he was... One of yeah. you, you can see the impact that he just the influence he has on that side. It was funny just uh, and just quickly you mentioned that Radley try. There were they didn't, but just when it happened and the momentum of this, the game, it just felt like there was a chance Penrith could have fallen apart. Then just the way yeah. it seemed to, I thought, oh, here we go. But they, you know, to their credit, they held on. Um, like I said, it's a year away now for the Roosters, and they're going to. But the, the way they keep churning through, without Crichton this week, no, we were Hargraves this week as well. Um, you know, they keep turning up. But um, in, in a lot of ways, in a lot of ways, Trent Robertson needs to be in contention for Coach of the Year. Uh, I don't think he will, but I assume Cleary will probably will be, um, or Bellamy, obviously. But um, Trent Robertson needs to be in that discussion. Uh, the main event on the Saturday, uh, a cracker. Seagulls eighteen at the Storm twenty eight. What did the bat? What did the stats say, Brian? Three tries to four. Two out of three conversions for Manly. Three out of four for the Storm. Um, one out of one penalty goals for Manly, and three out of three for Melbourne. Sixty seven percent completion by Manly. Eighty four percent by the Storm. Twenty six out of thirty nine sets played. Thirty seven out of forty four. 210 post-contact metres more for Melbourne than Manly. Four line breaks to three. 22 tackle bus played 23. Five offloads to 10. One force dropout to four. 
309 tackles by Manly, 238 by the Storm, six ruck infringements to two, one inside the 10 to three, seven penalties conceded by Manly, four by the Storm, 12 errors to seven. Jake made 48 tackles. Kenny Bromwich made 24, top tackler, 24 tackles for the Storm. Saab with 166 metres and Dale Finnecane with 169. Harper missed four tackles, as did Ola Katow and Iremia from the Storm. Remis missed five and made 18. Garrick with 110 supercoach points. Tommy with 87 and Munster with 84. All right. How is the 10 points fair and are Manly genuine contenders after watching this bar? Yeah, I think the 10 points is pretty fair. Um, the Storm had a pretty good... Uh, a game plan to target Manly centres and it worked early especially in that first half when they got that first try with Kenny Bromwich um, they targeted Harp, Harper and Saab a lot uh-huh. in that first half uh, Manly did extremely well to be held, hold on in that first half they could have most majority of teams in this comp would have been down 20 to 30 points at half time and they did extremely well to hang on um, and they cost them, they gave, basically gave Storm two tries as well with handling errors off kicks where the Storm just fell over on the ball over the line. So that's a that's a eight to ten point turnaround realistically. So I thought their effort was tremendous. Yeah. Um, Ollie, what do you take away from this game? Yeah, well, to me, it, it seems like if you want to stop a team with a turbo, you got to bring in a wizard. I think Harry was amazing in this one, your boy, uh, right Harry Grant. Um, (laughs) honestly, Melbourne's entire forward pack was immense in this one. And I do think I'm more confident in Manly now than I was before heading into this game. There are people I've seen online peanuts. Obviously I brought up a couple of them in peanut of the week, but there are people who genuinely thought Manly were bad in this game. And they were far from it. And people thought that Tommy was bad in this game. It's like, oh, he goes missing against the good teams. He's still got, what, two try assists. He was heavily involved. He's probably going to, for me at least personally, he's at least getting a point. For me, I thought he was still that good. Um, Unless there were three Melbourne players who you guys thought were better. And uh, I... We'll see when we get to it. But, um, yeah, just pretty much Melbourne's entire forward pack. The the cheese-grant combination, you know, heading into this year, we thought, oh, maybe cheese will come off the bench uh, for 20 minutes at the end of the game, come on for Harry, how will he like that? But it just seems like they've worked together as a cohesive unit, the two of them have got that chemistry that I don't think we've seen from many working combinations. I'd forgotten about it, but you mentioned it before. uh, They brought it back this week, but before the injury happened, that's what they were doing. They are almost playing as... Both as dummy half. Um, yeah. When they need to do cheese a step back, but when Harry wanted to break cheese and be straight in there, or cheese be taking the first hit up of him, and and they who they kill might have been Brisbane. There was one team where the two of them yeah. just decided they're just going to steamroll straight up the middle for twenty minutes and put on twenty points. I think you'll find um, if Harry hadn't been out injured as long as he had by now, they would have come to the point where you get cheese on there for 20 minutes and then Harry comes on, plays 60 and cheese probably plays 80 minutes yeah. and plays 60 of them in the back row. Yeah. Um, as you said, interchanging, swapping in between Harry can go out and play a bit of ball players, link up with the halves while cheese goes into dummy half or when Harry's in a dummy half, cheese just puts his head down and there's a flying cheese wheel through the middle. <laughs> so, um, yeah, uh, I think you've wrapped a lot of them. We, we haven't mentioned Justin Ollie. You mentioned they targeted Brad Parker, um, but Olam was the wrecking ball that put that plan in action. He was tremendous mm. again. He's now stringing together 
just about a month of real good footy. Um, actually, he's been good for a while now. Imagine standing in front of him. Yeah. And he's just fucking charging yeah. at you. <laughs> and then after he charges you, he st- gets up and just dead eyes you and says, yeah. I'm about to do it again, motherfucker. You're trying to run at me. <laughs> and then you've got to try and run the ball past him. Fuck. But, um, yeah, complete package from Melbourne. Um, Manly, they've said as much, but I think they've, they think they can take enough out of here where they can turn it around, and that's what you want. You don't want everyone rolling over. Um, but I'm still pretty comfortable sitting here saying Melbourne will um, be there and very, very hard to beat grand final day. Um, anything else to add, boys? I think they uh, Manly's, Manly's plan of throwing the ball wide um, rather than try to take on the middle for the first couple of tackles, that seemed to prove... Uh, quite uh, advantageous there where they were yeah. making a lot of metres early in the sets and then they'd back it up with a couple through the middle and then go to the edges again. That did seem to work to get them down the field. Obviously, it didn't provide a lot of points, but it did get them a lot of metres right, through the middle right of the field. Rightly or wrongly, it seems that that's now the template that everyone thinks can beat Melbourne. And it looks like the way their teams are headed. Manly played that way. You could see it sort of been put into practice the week before. They sort of threw it around early. Um, they... So from that point of view, maybe that's where Souths could be dangerous um, against a Melbourne. Um, I've got to say, Ruben Garrick's been pretty good. I've, I've listed him as overrated some weeks and some weeks haven't, but he was pretty good for him um, in the right place at the right time. And um, do I Beat the Storm, that? though, you still have to beat them through the middle. You can yeah. make the metres up around the edges, but you still have to start winning that battle, getting over the top of them in the middle. And that's when you can sort of break them on the edges and get some points. But they're just so hard to score against. They're such a good defensive unit. And the thing uh, is, you've, when you've got those two blokes we mentioned controlling the ruck, it's a big job to, to take on two of the two best hookers in the game. Yeah, and then the big timber to... around the outside of them with the Bromwich boys and Nelson yeah. and Kafusi and yeah. It's, yeah. it's not an easy job. Well, and that's the thing. They're only getting Nelson back this week after a while. So yeah. they're still audience to come back. Pappenhausen was better. Um, had a bit more confidence. I assume probably the next two weeks he'll probably take his uh, mantle back. Uh, they might give him to the finals, but uh, it'd be a matter of time, I'd say. Um, th- I'm okay with three points, Harry. Uh, I think that's fair enough. Two points, or oh, Olam, and then Tommy Hughes, or um, yeah, Finnegan was good. Uh, any combination, really. Take your pick. Barney? I had months. Uh, sorry, I had Harry with the three. I had uh, Tommy with the two, and then I either had uh, Munster or Olam for the one point. Well, Munster was um, it sort of got overlooked a little bit, but he he gave them a lot of time and space with the ball in the in the outside. So yeah, Ollie, I think we go with we'll have to go with Tommy with the one then, Olam with the two, Harry three. Harry three, of course. Very good. Uh, let's get to Sunday uh, where the West Tigers, this was a less uh, inspiring afternoon of football. The Tigers and the Bulldogs had their crack at the worst game of the season, uh, 28-16. What did the stats say, Barn? Yes, we had three tries to four, two out of three conversions and four out of four for the Tigers and two penalty goals out of two attempts. 79% completion played 73%, 31 out of 39 sets for the Dogs and 30 out of... 41 for the Tigers. 160-plus post-contact metres for the Tigers. Three line breaks to two. 27 tackle busts by the Dogs. 40 by the Tigers. Five offloads to 20. One force dropout to zero. 
140-20 kicked by the Tigers. 343 tackles played 330, two ruck infringements to four, one inside the 10 to four, eight penalties conceded by the Dogs, one by the Tigers. Nine errors played 13 and a sin bin for the Bulldogs. Jackson with 47 tackles, Twile with 41, Meany with 182 metres and Dewey with 164 uh, Hopper and Shoop both missed five tackles and uh, also and Waddell missed five for the Dogs. Napa and Biondiodo missed four. Supercoach, Leilua with 105 Supercoach points, Meany with 91 and Dewey with 86. As you mentioned, worst game of the year. I was laying down on the lounge watching this one and there was probably two or three times I had to stop myself from asleep while I was watching this game. But it wasn't that bad. <laughs> they, um, yeah, every, I don't even know, just put these in words, the Tigers <laughs> are shit. Fucking honestly, every time they scored without fail, the very next set, they'd fuck something up. Yep. Uh, Luke Brooks usually led the fuck ups. Uh, he, he did some good stuff, but God, did. 50% of the game, he was very average. Uh, and, uh, I don't even know what to say. They won because they're playing the Bulldogs. Bulldogs are worse. Uh, well, Tigers, Tigers are pretty much in control. I thought for most of the uh, game. Yeah, it's funny because I was never, just kept never nervous. Yeah, I was never yeah. nervous. It was just more frustrating. Um, who can I even wrap here? Dewey was Dewey, but uh, and Luciano was very good. Actually, I say Luciano's close to best in the field, and Kemamalo um, was fantastic. Uh, his aerial work was great. Obviously, the two great tries, but defensively, he was very good as well, um, mm-hmm. shutting down pretty much everything. Uh, not that there was lots to shut down because the Bulldogs are great at just getting to the 10 meter line and then going, okay, you can have the ball back now. Yeah, um, what do we do? So, you know, it's a nothing game. I'm glad that I wasn't angry at the Tigers too much because we got two <laughs> points. Um, but, I, you know, what are you supposed to take out of this? They are lucky they're probably going to face a half-strength Cowboys team and it'll probably be a similar shit game again this week. Yeah, could have, um, should have won by more. The Tigers. Um, if, if everything stuck, they probably win by forty, but they didn't. So no. you can't be, you can't speculate on that. Um, do you have, do you, what else do you have to say there, Brian? As I said, um, every time they got, they scored points. As you mentioned, they gave gave the ball back to the dogs. Um, they let them back in way too many times, and they probably should have shut them out uh, a lot earlier than they did. Uh, the dogs back row worked their ass off. I thought they again those three uh, three in the back row. They they do it most weeks and they work hard. But there's not much else out of the bulldogs, unfortunately. Avarillo, there's something there, but he needs a partner in crime. He needs someone to give him a hand. Um, Beyond Yodo is probably not that guy. He looks more like um, someone that they need to play maybe in tandem with uh, the young hooker, and they could maybe work together. But. Um, Dog's first try was nice from Meany, but that was just shit from the Tigers' yeah. defence. Like, obviously, he broke it. He beat four or five blokes, but there was two of them that got good hands on him and probably should have brought him down early. But um, what do you do? The <clears throat> Tigers' attack seemed to break down more often than I've seen it break down this year, really. I think, I think they're um, missing Laurie more than I thought they were. Well, not more than I thought they were, but it's pretty apparent. Um, and by yeah. tries hard, I, I don't want to really knock him, but he just doesn't have the explosive pace. And... Um, hmm. Like a lot of their points came from kicks yeah. rather than ball playing, which yeah. is um, they've they've scored a lot of tries from their ball playing this year. Well, but missing Gar- missing Garner, missing um, their other whole runner who have just had a mental mm-hmm. blank on, uh, I think is is part of that problem. It's, and, um, St- Stefano and Luciano, they're gold for the Tigers, and they yeah. need to build the rest of their like the next five years. They need to they're, they're the two pillars in their pack, and they need to build a pack around those two. Yeah, um, Twile was pretty good. Uh, Blaw was. 
uh, about his best game this year, I think. He hasn't had a lot of games, but I think that one was his best one. And, um, yeah, you can't say much about the Dogs. Their, their back row tries hard, but there's not a lot left in that team. So Yeah, yeah, that's right. Like every week, you admire Josh Jackson and you move on with your life. Mm-hmm. Um, Ollie, do you have much to add? Not really, other than the fact that I didn't watch the first half and then I, I set up the stream that we do over the weekend for the second half. Uh, listener of the show and our good friend Dana was the first one to jump on. And I said, so what happened in the first half? And he couldn't really tell me anything because nothing really happened other than the Tigers were in front. Um, but if we've not really got anything else to add, I guess I'll kick us off with the three two ones because it's the um, it, it's the same people for three. I'd go Luciano, two Dewey and one Stefano. I had Mamalo in there just because I thought he, in addition to his tries, he did diffuse quite a bit of uh, potentially dangerous stuff. Never trust the Tigers with a bouncing ball. So I left Dewey out altogether, to be honest. I yeah, had Luciano. He was easily the best player on the field, and he was closely followed by Stefano, in my opinion. Uka Tamano is actually he's stamping himself as a, one of the prime front rowers running around. And then I had Meany from the Bulldogs because he was the only bloke who looked like doing anything from them. And um, he did, had some nice touches, quite a few tackle busts. And, yeah. Yeah, I'm I'm fine with. Uh, well, I'll come down to Mamalo or Mini for one. Ollie, what do you reckon? I'm happy to leave Dewey out because yeah, I thought if any, I'll go say he's disappointed, but he didn't do much. I'll go. Um, I'll go Kenny. Okay, let's uh, go with that. And Ollie, you mentioned the uh, Sunday stream, but the Titans thirty six wrapped up the Cowboys fourteen. Uh, never really in doubt. Probably a pretty cruisy watch for you, Oliver. What did the stats say, Barn? It was. Um... Seven tries to three, four out of seven conversions, played one out of three. 83% completion for the Titans, 66 for the Cowboys. 38 out of 46 sets, played 21 out of 32. 270-plus post-contact metres for the Titans. Three line breaks from both teams. 31 tackle busts, played 16. Seven offloads to six. Two force dropouts to one. Uh, 40-20 for the Titans. 254 tackles, played 373. Two ruck infringements apiece. One inside the 10 by the Cowboys. Four penalties conceded by the Titans. 10 conceded by the Cowboys. Eight errors to 13. Rain with 26 tackles. Robson with 46. Marzu with 230 metres. And Felt with 170. Um, Corey Allen missed four tackles, as did Kelly. Sorry, not Corey Allen. Corey Thompson missed four tackles, as did Kelly. Drinkwater missed five, and Granville missed four. Bo Former with 96 supercoach points, felt with 88, and Dave Fafita with 87, along with Valentine Holmes. Um, uh, I'll jump in well, because I said, um, um, I, I'm pretty impressed by Toby Sexton, the more I see him. I think he's a good player. I, I watched in, after watching the Tigers game, I watched in, um, Slight sadness that you've got a halfback that's played three <laughs> games that looks much better than ours, and ours played 150. Um, but I thought he was pretty impressive. He's in control. He's very. He gives them structure. Uh, I think it's slight. I think it's helped Ash Taylor a bit. I don't know if Ash Taylor will be there in two weeks when Fogarty's back, but um, that's been good. Their centres are impressive. Both Fermor starting worked. Um, he was he was pretty good. Mo's fantastic as always, uh, and AJ's finally waking up all across. Actually. Doing my notes all across the back line. They, you could pick out any of them. They had great games. Corey Thompson had a great game. Herbert and Kelly were as good as they've been all year. And now AJ's getting involved. Maybe that's helping everyone. Um, so all good signs. Uh, I've got no issue with the Fafita off the bench thing. It's working now. 
Um, not going to whinge about it if he's going to come on. And he didn't really do a lot, but he can come on and be worth 12 or 18 points to you at, at games. Um, and if that's what they've accepted he's going to be, then so be it. Um, it's sort of not his fault. They wanted to pay him 1.1 mil to do that, but that's fine. Um, what did you take out of it, Ollie? Yeah, well, first of all, I think you need to stop comparing any half in the competition to Luke Brooks because you just... You're setting yourself up for disappointment most of the time. But, um, yeah, look, I was really happy with the Titans' performance in this one. They pretty much did everything that was, I guess, as a fan, I'd ask of them against this North Queensland Cowboys side as well. The players who need to step up, stepped up. Um, Greg Marzu just continues to be a solid first-grade winger, and I'm glad he's come through, and hopefully they can find somewhere for Jaden Campbell next year. We'll see how that goes. They've got options with him at least. Um, the next two weeks, look, they've got Souths and they've got Melbourne. I'd obvious, I'm obviously glad they they sort of p- picked up this form four of their last five heading into that mini tough period. Uh, it'll help them out a bit, but uh, that that's really the thing about the Titans. What I was saying earlier, like I'm glad with the result. I'm glad we've got to hear. But um, oh, look, based off of the run home and how things are looking, if you go purely off of the run home, you'd probably look at. Newcastle and the Titans probably being your last two teams and Cronulla might be that wild card in there. But um, yeah, look, if we perform like this, it'll be a great game against Newcastle in three weeks time. And then against the worries in the last round, I know I'm sort of going off on a tangent, looking more into the future here, but based off of the performances that we've seen in this game in particular, I am still relatively confident that we can make the finals and we've got, not the easiest, not the hardest draw running home. Um, but I, I think we could still do enough to just squeeze into that top eight. And, hey, we nearly beat Souths earlier this year. Why don't we actually get the job done this time? Why not? It'll it help a hell of a lot. Yeah. Fun. I know you're a big fan of Mo, but I thought he was a little quiet. <laughs> I just threw him in there just because... Um, a lot I of their forwards remember. didn't have to do a lot of work, to be honest. Um, Tino did more work than most of them. Um, I thought he was probably their best forward, uh, closely followed by Fafita, who scored the try and got quite a few tackle busts, which he generally does when you know, he's running centres uh, and halfbacks. Tino's had a good month, I think. He's been yeah. pretty good. Out of um, the back of Origin, he's improved, yeah, yeah on yeah. what he was doing before Origin, yep. um, which wasn't bad anyway. But um, Cowboys are never in this game at all. He, they just they, they didn't look interested from the start. The only time that they looked any good was when Bow chimed in and threw a couple of nice passes to get him some points. Uh, threw Kyle Felt on, in the edges that Fucking Bo Firma with the circus tricks for that fucking that flick pass, man. That, <laughs> I got so excited over that. That was a brilliant pass. And the way that the, he had two blokes on him as well to throw that pass to score the try for Kelly, that was awesome. Um, another moment I enjoyed was Kelly's first try where he headbutted the ground and tried to knock himself out. <laughs> I thought he was out. I thought he was out for a bit. He got up looking a bit. It definitely rattled him, that's for sure. <laughs> but... Um, yeah, that was another good moment in a game that um, the, the Titans dominated from start to finish. They were never in um, any trouble whatsoever. The Cowboys need to find themselves a spine. I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, drink water can be good, but the majority of the time he's not great. And they need somebody in there to help him and Holmes to be any sort of um, any sort of danger of winning a game. And their forward pack has been lackluster for the entire year. Uh, old mate, Tom Alolo's gone and broken his hand again, so I don't know. I think he's got a poster on a brick wall somewhere. He goes home and punches. <laughs> of, it's <laughs> it's of probably got Toddy Payton's face on it. <laughs> yeah, that's what I was about to say. So <laughs> I don't know how he keeps breaking his hands, but <laughs> he does. 
Um, and as you said, Sexton, man, I'm super impressed with that kid. I know he's only played three games, but his game management is brilliant. Um, he's got a solid kicking game and he's not afraid to run the ball as well. And he defends pretty well for a small bloke. So um, that's definitely something that the Titans have got in their kit bag for the rest for the next coming season. So, um, yeah, I had I gave Tino three points. I gave Sexton two and I gave Fafita one. But that, that, I'm the exact same. One thing I wanted to point out, though, I still think he's had a very good season. I don't think he's particularly had any down spells, but I'd say Tino's probably coming into form at the exact right time. Yep. But I think he's been at arguably the Titans' best he form spent, for the past month or so. He spent 12 rounds in the wrong spot as well. Yeah. Um, playing in the front row, but... Yeah, uh, I I had Sexton three the other way around, but I'm happy with what you said. Uh, and AJ Brimson, honorary mention because I think he's um, he's getting back to where he's he been, is, so, yeah. or he should have been. So he's yeah, a lot more involved. Yeah, definitely. Pot plant of the week, Ollie. Pot plant of the week. I really should think of these beforehand, shouldn't I? <laughs> but I will go with Cody Ramsey for not wearing a mouth guard. Okay. <laughs> Good shout. Good shout. Mine's going to be Kane Evans, and I'm surprised it's not all three of us going with Kane Evans, to be honest. Well, they're the obvious. Uh, and I, they, they were just too easy for me to take. The Blake dead set looked like he was trying to get himself suspended for the rest of the year and part of next year. I, I don't know. <laughs> he obviously got the red miss going and he's trying to punch people and head slams and yeah, and all the rest of it. So he's my pot plant. Uh, I'm going to give my pot plant to Hayes Dunster because I think if you'd put a pot plant out there, at least... Um, Mansell might have tripped over him once. <laughs> so um, he, uh, he he's out of first grade this year, but uh, Hayes can uh, have the season off. Slap. Yeah. I'm going to slap myself for ever suggesting Parramatta were a premiership side. So <laughs> I deserve all the slaps there. Holly? I am... And it's not a big fault of his own, obviously, because Justin Nolan was immense, but I'll give Brad Parker a slap. Hank Scorpio. He was probably the weak link for Manly in this game, I thought. Yeah, he made some pretty bad errors, yeah. yeah. I'm going to give it to Will Chambers. I'm going to do what Kane Evans did and slap him a couple <laughs> of times on the side of the head. Um, mate, you can't be running your mouth when you're doing that shit. I think the bloke had like six runs and missed six tackles and made 12 or something. So you're not playing well. Your team's getting beaten and you're just running your mouth two weeks in a row. He's been dropped. You probably won't see him again in Sharks colours or in the NRL, but yeah, give him a slap on the way out. And you've got a salute then? Young, oh, the, the obvious. It's the Burton show. It has to be Matt Burton. He single-handedly won that game for them. Every, every Pretty much every time he touched the ball, the um, you could see that the Roosters' defence were worried and they weren't sure which way he was going to go. And, yeah, he controlled that game so well. Ollie? I'm actually going to salute Will Chambers because he can't play footy. <laughs> <laughs> His team was playing average, so he might as well do what he can to throw the other team off their game and possibly even get a couple of players or a player from the other team sin bin for 10 minutes to give his team some sort of advantage. So salute to him for that. And that's the thing. I saw people saying that Will Chambers cost the Sharks a game. They played 12 men for fucking 20 minutes. How did he cost them the game? They couldn't score when they were down by one, like up by a player. Uh, I'm going to salute Toby Sexton, actually. I think he's been very impressive and um, good on the young bloke for being a a very... uh, 
a, a very um, the, the, the talented young halfback in a comp that needs talented young, young halfbacks. On that uh, slightly incorrect grammatical note, we will wrap up the review show. Thank you, boys, and we'll be back very shortly to do our preview. <laughs>